Welcome to the newest Eden Center podcast, Building Ourselves Through Parsha. Our host, Karen Miller-Jackson, will use the Parsha to explore an aspect of social, emotional, or physical well-being relevant for 21st century life and its challenges. Karen is a certified Matan Moralalacha, Jewish educator, writer, founder of Kivun Sherut, a guidance program for religious girls, and creator of Power Parsha. Consistent with the Eden Center's goal of enhancing women's spiritual life through Torah and Mikvah, Karen's insights, we hope, will serve as a springboard for self-introspection and discussion. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Eden Center podcast, Building Ourselves Through the Parsha, where we explore themes of well-being in the Parsha. This week, I'd like to talk about a less discussed but important topic, miscarriage and pregnancy loss. Statistically, 10 to 15% of pregnancies end in miscarriage or pregnancy loss, and yet it is still not really spoken about, and many of us are at a loss for how to talk about it in a helpful way. Why am I thinking about this now? Parshat Tazria Mitzora opens with the laws of childbirth and the korban, which the woman brings after childbirth. Curiously, these laws are followed by the lengthy laws of tzara'at, leprosy. Why is the most beautiful and blessed miracle of birth found right next to the laws of leprosy, which the sages teach was a punishment? And why is a woman bringing a sacrifice at all after childbirth? Let's explore the commentaries to find some answers. The Parsha teaches that when a woman's period of purification after birth is over, she must bring two sacrifices. The Torah states she shall bring a lamb in its first year for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. The rabbis were also perplexed by the need for a woman to bring, as a sacrifice, a chatat, a sin offering, after birth. The Midrash in Vayikaraba brings various parables to help us understand this. Rabbi Levi likens the act of birth to a person who privately gives his neighbor a purse of silver and then returns to find a litra of gold in public. So too, after the sexual act in private, God provides a perfect human being in the end in public. Such a miracle should warrant a korban. Another midrash focuses on the miracle of the physical act of childbirth. How incredible is it that a woman's body is able to hold the fetus for nine months, and when it is time, the baby is born. This sort of wondrous miracle, too, should warrant a korban. This all supports the appropriate reason for the first korban, as an expression of immense gratitude. The Sefer HaChinuch explains it beautifully in the following way. After a woman, when a woman gives the korban, she gives it in order that she be aroused by action to give thanks to God, blessed be he, who saved her from the pangs of her birth, which is a miraculous thing. Yet, how do we understand the second korban, the sin offering, the chatat, especially given that it is a mitzvah to procreate? The Midrash attempts to answer this as well by connecting with the end of last week's Parsha. Rashi teaches that the Torah first taught the laws of the impurity of animals and then the tumah of childbirth to mirror the order of the creation narrative in Breshit. Some commentaries on Rashi understand this as a warning to humankind to be humble since even the lowly mosquito was created before before human beings. According to this interpretation, there is perhaps a natural concern that the act of childbirth might lead some to a sinful thought of haughtiness. And at this moment, when a woman is closest to God in the act of creation, 
it is important that she bring the sin offering as an expression of her humility. As we read this portion on the Korban note um, of childbirth, it is Davka, the appropriate moment to be mindful of those women and couples who have experienced pregnancy loss. Today, we have perhaps become complacent regarding the miracle that childbirth is and healthy pregnancies are, thanks to the wonders of modern medicine. In ancient times, a woman risked her life every time she became pregnant, experienced pregnancy loss, or gave birth. These korbanot are an expression on the one hand of the absolute miracle that is childbirth, and on the other, a reminder to be humble about the experience. I would add that it is also a reminder to be sensitive to those for whom it has been more challenging. And this leads to our final point, which is when we hear from a friend or family member about miscarriage or pregnancy loss, how do we react? What should we say? What shouldn't we say? This week's double Parsha also urges us to be careful in how we speak. After all, leprosy is associated with the sin of Lashon Hara. The name Matsora, which literally means leprosy, is linked to the phrase Motsi Shem Ra, spreading evil talk. Of course, people can have the best of intentions when trying to comfort one who is grieving. Yet it is important to educate ourselves in how and when to speak in a comforting and helpful way. This relates to the words we say at the opening and closing of the Amidah prayer. We close with the words, Hashem, protect my tongue from evil. But speech isn't only about avoiding the negative. The Amidah also opens with, Adonai svatai tivtach ufi agiti latecha. Adonai, open my lips, open my mouth, and let my mouth declare your praise. The focus on speech at the opening and closing of the Amidah reminds us that as well as avoiding speaking badly about others, we can use words to express care and concern in a way that is needed. So maybe another possible link between the laws of childbirth and those associated with tzara'at is a lesson in how to speak. It teaches us how to be thoughtful when we speak about childbirth and pregnancy loss. To get practical, I would like to close with the following suggestions made by the Nahama Comfort Organization. They write, when your friend or family, when a friend or family member is grieving, do reach out to them and acknowledge their loss. Do talk with mothers and fathers, siblings and grandparents. Allow them to express their feelings without passing judgment. Do refer to the baby by name if they have named the baby. Do contact them when you say you will. And do understand if they don't come to your significant life events. Do ask about the funeral if there is one. Do allow for silence. And do remember that they may grieve at significant milestones and be genuine and caring. When your friend or family member is grieving, don't do the following. Don't dominate conversations. Don't use cliches such as, I know how you feel. At least you have other children. You can always have another. At least you really didn't know your baby. This only happens to people who can handle it. It's a test from God and God only tests people he loves. You'll see the baby when Mashiach comes. Don't pass judgment. You should be feeling better by now. Don't avoid the couple because you are personally uncomfortable. Don't change the subject if they want to talk about the baby. Don't give legal or medical advice or suggest that they had bad care. In, in summary, take cues from the family as to how members of the community should react, whether they want visitors or whether they want privacy, providing meals, help with other children, 
it is helpful if the community has a trained facilitator to deal with these families. For example, the rabbi or the rebbitzin, a local social worker, a yoetzer or halacha, or someone experienced with loss. Remember, it is never too late to express your feelings to a family about the loss of their baby. May everyone's wishes and dreams, may everyone be blessed with healthy pregnancies and childbirth and good and enjoyable parenting. And may everyone have a Shabbat Shalom. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center, whose goal is to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikvah as a sacred space for women and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to Jewish women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships, enhancing Jewish women and family life. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedencenter.com, to learn more about our work in making mikvah relevant, welcoming, and meaningful. This episode is recorded by Karen Miller-Jackson, edited by Micah Shore, and is a product of the Eden Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sponsoring a podcast in dollars or shekels at bit.ly backslash E-D-E-N-P-O-D. Additionally, give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback by email at podcasts at theedencenter.com.